I'm Dr. Carrie Lam, and welcome to the Dr. Lam Show. We're so happy to have Dr. Vincent Pedre here. He is the he's written a really great book on called The Happy Gut. He is a medical director of Pedre Integrative Health and president of Dr. Pedre Wellness. As a board certified internist in New York City, he practices both Western and Eastern uh, medical traditions. Uh, we're so grateful that he can talk to us about having a happy gut life and also the best way to lose that uh, weight and how it relates to fatigue and hormones and leaky gut. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I always like to ask um, our guests just to go through their journey on how they have come to really be an integrative and functional medicine. It's such a great question because I do, I do think that everyone who ends up in functional medicine probably had some sort of journey, health challenge, or maybe patient that inspired them. For me, it was actually um, goes back to my childhood and trying to figure out what is it that was making me sick. And I would just get sick all the time. Uh, I remember probably starting like nine, 10 years old, and all the way through my teenage years, going on at least two to three rounds of antibiotics every year for sinus infection, throat infection, pneumonia, bronchitis. And my immune system was so weakened that sometimes I actually had to be taken to the doctor to get uh, what was being given at the time, which I think, I don't know that anybody does this anymore, uh, but gamma globulin shots. So almost wow. as if my, my, I was immunosuppressed. And I remember every time I would get a dose of gamma globulins, if I had an infection that wasn't getting better with antibiotics, I would feel better right away, like within the next uh, 24 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, but no one ever thought to look at the gut. And, you know, at some point it was, you know, chicken or the egg, but uh, I had been given so many rounds of antibiotics that it had decimated my gut microbiome mm -hmm. and in retrospect led to leaky gut and to reactions to two of the top food groups that were in my diet at the time, which were gluten and dairy. And knowing that 70% of the immune system is all along the gut lining, I was basically poisoning myself, weakening my immune system. Of course, my immune system couldn't mount a defense. So I would pick up whatever was going around. And I'm, I really, um, I'm not a hypochondriac now, but when I was a child, I was a hypochondriac. I was scared about, about being around people who were sick uh, because I felt like my immune system was so weak that I would catch anything. And I hated having to go on antibiotics, but it was often the, the necessity at the time. But as, as you know, it becomes a vicious cycle and the more antibiotics you take, the more likely you get more infections and you're on antibiotics. Right. And it really took me looking at nutrition, starting even when I was in medical school and looking at like the role that dairy played in my diet. Mm -hmm. And I started not having as much dairy and noticed that my immune system started feeling a bit stronger. And I was also eating a lot more avocados, olive oil. So I started incorporating more healthy fats while I was in medical school. And even though we didn't get any nutrition training, no, we don't. School, <laughs> I, I did have enough of the science mind to ask the question like, okay, I changed this variable. 
which was the dairy. I took the dairy mostly out and I added in more healthy fats. And now I see my immune system is behaving differently. I'm not getting sick as frequently as I should, as I used to. Mm -hmm. And that really inspired me to keep looking and, and looking for, for answers. And it wasn't until I discovered functional medicine back in the early 2000s that I all, it was like a big aha moment, like, oh, wow, like, I'm not crazy. What no. happened to me is because of what happened two decades ago. And I've been, de I was dealing with it for two decades mm -hmm. with having irritable bowel syndrome, not understanding why sometimes foods didn't agree with me. And other times I was fine having to run to the bathroom, you know, mm -hmm. having all sorts of issues there, mental fog, you know, dealing with a lot of different symptoms that seem to be unrelated. Mm -hmm. And then finally seeing that it all tied in with my gut and working on a gut healing program, probiotics, prebiotics, uh, fermented foods, and really changing my diet, eating organic, eating humanely uh, raised meat. Mm -hmm. And it turned around my health. And I just started working with patients on gut health issues. And it would surprise me, like they would get better. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then some things that you don't think are related to the gut somehow ends up being better, right? Whether it's yeah, like, or like brain they, fog. You know, uh -huh. <laughs> or a lot of times they, they would tell me like, oh, my gut is better. And oh, and I had this other symptom I didn't tell you about. And now it's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it was a skin rash. Maybe it was brain fog. Maybe it was just general fatigue. And now they feel like their energy is improving. And it really uh, made me realize that while the gut is foundational to so many other conditions in the body, indeed, that it inspired me to, to write my book, Happy Gut, and just try to get the word out to people yeah. uh, about the microbiome and, and, and how simple it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's great. I mean, I like you said, I have patients all the time that have had antibiotics since they were young, and they don't really think about it unless a functional doctor asks that question, right? Everyone thinks, oh, as a child, I have ear infections, I take antibiotics all the time, and that's normal. But really, that's not normal for your gut and a gut microbiome. So um, thanks for telling us your journey. Um, tell us a little more about, you know, how the microbiome, what it is, and just break it down and how it affects us uh, in our lives. Well, there are many microbiomes in the body. I kind of think of it as the United Nations, you know, and there's different zones, regions, you know, so there's microbiome in your hands and it's actually mostly concentrated in the creases. There's microbiome inside the nose, inside the mouth, inside the lungs, and all along the, the intestinal tract in the stomach, the small intestine, and each region has a different predominance of different bacteria as well as concentration. But the biggest reservoir of the microbiome in the entire body is actually in the large intestine where they calculate that there could be up to 100 trillion microorganisms um, and anywhere between, I've heard many different estimates, I think, because we don't fully more know. More than our cells, so but, we can say that, but, yeah. Yeah, more than our cells and 500 to 1,000 different species of bacteria and their aggregate DNA outnumbers our DNA, I think, like 100 to 1. And right. the number of bacterial cells that we have in the body outnumber our own cells 10 to 1. 
So we are these super organisms that exist symbiotically with this hidden world that you cannot see with your eyes, but is affecting a lot of other aspects of our health. And it, it's quite fascinating. I mean, in the last year um, on a, my blog, I've been writing about all of the interconnections with the microbiome, um, talking about the gut skin connection and how the microbiome in the gut can affect skin issues, the gut heart connection, and how depending on the types of gut bacteria and the type of food that you're eating and whether you have leaky gut, that that can increase your risk for heart disease up to twice and even stroke. So, you know, and the gut brain connection and mental health connection. So there's all of these things that we're, we are learning, but there's real research out there Mm -hmm. showing that the, there are different species, uh, strains of uh, the microbiome bacteria that can affect different things, including controlling the amount of inflammation in the body, the sensitivity to the hormone insulin, which helps control blood sugar, and even the way that we digest and absorb calories and how many of those are available to the body that then can cause uh, weight gain or can help with weight loss. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite a fascinating um, thing. Even uh, just recently looking at a study on the aging uh, microbiome and what is unique in the microbiome of centenarians. And there was a study that looked at secondary bile acids and certain bacteria that existed in these centenarians that were producing these anti-inflammatory secondary bile acids, which are basically metabolites of a metabolite. Um, and that's what I think is happening in the gut is it's not just about the microbiome. It's about what they are producing that we then absorb into our bodies. And they they're like these right. puppeteers. They're affecting every organ system, including the hormone system and the yeah. balance thereof. And I think there's a lot that we still need to learn. Definitely. Wow. I love that you bring up the centenarians because I actually uh, used to live in Loma Linda, which is one of the blue zones. Uh, blue zones meaning the highest number of centenarians, people who live to 100. So I think definitely the diet and the microbiome has a big a big um, part to play in what it produces. And like you said, like even the microbiome can produce all the, um, it can produce all the side, uh, the neurotransmitters uh, substrates so that it can make yeah. right, uh, the right neurotransmitters that so it affects your mood and also the brain health and the hormone health. So definitely having yeah, a good- I think good... that's something, something that people don't realize is uh, that, you know, for example, serotonin or happiness molecule there's 90 some percent of it is produced in the gut, not in the brain. And there are serotonin receptors in the gut and both these endocrine like cells, they're called entero enteroendocrine cells, as well as the um, nerve endings of the vagus nerve, which is one of the longest nerves in the body. Mm -hmm. And that sends signals to the brain that communicates to the brain, the, the state of the internal organs and helps the brain decide the balance of excitation versus relaxation that needs to happen in order mm. to allow processes like digestion and absorption to happen and peristalsis that moves the food down the intestines. Right. You know, so, so it's this beautiful bi-directional communication that is happening between the brain and the gut and vice mm. versa. 
Yeah, the gut is the second brain, right? <laughs> um, so can you talk a little more about leaky gut and how does someone get leaky gut? Do a lot of people actually just um, have it because of their diet and what they eat or are they born with it? Or are there certain markers? Um, yeah, so definitely. It's a little bit, um, it's a little bit controversial in terms of uh, what are the best markers as clinicians, like what, what to check for to know if a person has leaky gut, but we know that um, definitely going on antibiotics is gonna cause leaky gut. If, and it's because it's altering the gut microbiome and it's altering the balance of the good bacteria that help along that gut border um, communicate with our immune system and maintain the integrity of that border. Um, but we also know that stress can affect the gut microbiome, and it can even cause increases in intestinal permeability. Um, mm. Poor diet or eating too much sugar, which also is going to lead to an imbalance between good and bad bugs and yeast overgrowth that can increase gut permeability. There's a lot of medications that people take that are over-the-counter that you would think are okay to take because the FDA has ruled that, you know, this can be taken without a prescription. This must be fine. Like, ibuprofen or acetaminophen even, um, which I was surprised because I know classically we learned that NSAIDs can increase intestinal permeability, but I found studies that showed that even acetaminophen can have Tylenol. an effect on the gut. Yeah. On the, mm -hmm. Yeah. That can have an effect on the gut microbiome and an increase in intestinal permeability. And the shocking one is for, for women taking birth control pills that the birth control pill and also increases intestinal permeability. And I'm sure a lot of women have experienced this. I've seen this so many times over the years. Uh, a woman a patient is put on a birth control pill and they gain weight. Yes. And, but they and didn't they change bloated. their diet. They didn't mm -hmm. change their diet. They didn't change their exercise and somehow they gain weight. Well, the, one of the ways to explain that is leaky gut and what happens uh, when your gut becomes leaky, because you get more of an influx of inflammatory substances. And we now know um, there was actually a study I looked at um, about two months ago that showed that you, we, that when there is leaky gut, you can find bacterial DNA in the blood circulation. Mm -hmm. So we know that bacteria can actually get through when the gut is leaky and that causes an activation of the immune response. But we also know that gram-negative bacteria in the large intestine produce something called endotoxin, which is lipopolysaccharide. They used to, the original name was endotoxin and anything endo is inside, which is interesting because they thought that it was only released when the bacteria died. But now they realize that these bacteria actually release endotoxin into their environment. And it's one of the biggest instigators of the immune response. And for anybody who- yeah, for anybody who understands and knows functional medicine, it activates the NF-kappa B pathway, which is an intracellular pathway that turns on inflammatory genes. And it will do that in muscle tissue, in the liver. And when you're, you're turning on inflammation in the liver, you can cause insulin resistance. And then it can do it also in the brain. Uh, and it can easily get through the blood-brain barrier. Uh, because it's the lipopolysaccharide. So you turn on inflammation in the brain that can lead to depression 
And if you're depressed, then what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to eat like comfort foods. And, and then you get into this vicious cycle mm. of weight gain. But there was a study that showed that, that you could measure rises in endotoxin in the blood uh, postprandially, and that the level of the rise was a predictor of the person developing metabolic syndrome, obesity, and eventually diabetes. So endotoxin yeah. plays a really significant role, and that's how we tie in why leaky gut is so significant. And for anybody who is having trouble losing weight and they think they're doing everything right, you have to look at the, the health of the gut lining and the gut microbiome and see what's going mm -hmm. on there. That's so true. I remember a study we learned about also about the two mice, one was skinny and one was fat. And then you um, transplanted the microbiome right from the, the fat mouse to the skinny mouse and then the skinny mouse became fat. And so mm -hmm. it's like the even the microbiome, if you they have memory and uh, if you change that memory cells, you will also start to gain the weight just by yeah. having a leaky gut or the microbiome changes. So and and we know we know actually from I think a, a patient who received a stool transplant from her daughter who had intractable C diff, and the patient did not have metabolic syndrome. The daughter had polycystic ovarian syndrome, which often is accompanied. Um, there are two types, but she had the the type that is accompanied by insulin resistance metabolic syndrome. And after the stool transplant, the mother developed metabolic, metabolic syndrome that she did not have before. And, and that's why, you know, I get a lot of questions sometimes about, um, you know, maybe what I need to do is a, is a fecal um, transplant to heal my gut, make it things better. And because it's not FDA approved yet in this country, you know, some people go outside of the country and I tell them, look, you need to make sure that they're screening the person who's donating the stool that they don't have That's metabolic true. syndrome, they don't have diabetes, they don't have other potential diseases that can be communicated by the um, right. gut microbiome, right. as you saw in that mice study, where you mm -hmm. can make thin mice fat by giving them the microbiome of the fat mice, and then they gain weight. I know. You got to be careful where you get your transplant from because uh, definitely you can get uh, de defects that you don't want. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, okay. That's very interesting. So we talked about the microbiome and the and leaky gut. Uh, what else? How do you you have a also a program for weight loss? And you say you can see differences in 28 days. How do you do that? I do. I have different programs that I've put together. I have a 20 day program, which is uh, kind of a really deep cleanse for the gut, uh, for people who have uh, a lot of gut imbalances or what I call gut related health issues, which are things like uh, skin rashes, chronic fatigue, mental fog, uh, even like joint aches, just kind of like feeling uh, old and, and creaky. And that program is really excellent for um, rebalancing the gut. It's like um, giving the, uh, putting the gut in a blank slate and, and reseeding it with good bacteria. And it's really good for rewiring um, the person's relationship with food. And then I also have a pr another program, which is seven day detox. And that program is really focused on opening up 
those liver detox pathways, the phase one and phase two liver detox. And really while balancing what I call the three pillars of detoxification, which is the liver, the gut, and often the third forgotten pillar, which is the gut microbiome. So it works on all those levels to help people um, cleanse out substances from their body or even metabolize things that, that don't belong. There's a lot of women out there who have estrogen dominance um, and can be experiencing symptoms from that, like water retention, um, lots of uh, tenderness in the breast around the period. Um, and what I found with this program is that it can be really helpful in both men and women for breaking through a weight loss plateau. And a lot of times when there is a weight loss plateau, the it's that the body needs to detoxify and it needs that support um, especially with phase two liver detoxification, which tends to be slow in most people. Mm. Yeah, so sluggishness in the liver can cause more of the toxins to stay in you and therefore you be more inflammatory and then you gain the weight, right? So even, exactly. even in weight, weight loss, it's always important that you look at all these triggering factors first before you just go for a diet or for an exercise. So that's great that you kind of have a big picture look at the person and dealing with their gut first and then also their hormones and then the weight. So um, thank you so much for being on the Dr. Lamb Show, Dr. Pedre. Uh, how, how, how do people get a hold of you uh, if they wanted to find where you're at? Um, they can go to my website, happygutlife.com and they can also learn uh, a lot about what I do and, and just get free information by going to my Instagram account at Dr. Pedre, D-R-P-E-D-R-E. -E. Um, and that's a great place to interact with me. Um, I sometimes answer my own messages. Uh, I try to go in there and, and talk with people and just put out uh, a lot of really great, um, saveable, shareable, free information on gut health and gut healing that can inspire people to go on their own healing journeys. That's so great. So we'll definitely put all those links uh, down here below. And even you have some a free gift called top 10 tips from happygutlife.com top 10 tips. So uh, we'll definitely put that there. And so we're thankful that you came here to talk us talk to us about the microbiome and the leaky gut. And we if you like this episode, make sure you like you subscribe, you share with those uh, who are struggling with this so that they can all learn and we want to really change the world and how we practice medicine. So stay tuned for the next episode. This podcast has been produced and broadcast solely for informational and educational purposes by Lamb Clinic. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The products and supplements discussed in this podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you believe you may have a medical condition, please consult your own doctor. Opinions of guests are their own, and Lamb Clinic does not endorse or accept responsibility for any of the statements and views made by guests. The views and opinions of guests in the podcast are their own and do not reflect those of Lamb Clinic. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. In some cases, individuals on the podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in the products or services referred to herein. Podcast listeners should always seek the advice of their physicians or other qualified health providers with any questions they may have regarding their own medical conditions. Podcast listeners must always continue to follow the advice of their personal physicians for all of their medical needs.